There's a lost soul who's tired of the sinning. You are listening to the Daily Doctrine Devotional. This is a daily podcast designed to teach and preach Bible doctrine each weekday throughout the year. This is Evangelist Tim McVeigh asking you to please let others know about this podcast so that they can subscribe or tune in each weekday. At the end of the podcast, we will provide you with subscription information as well as contact information for our ministry. Thank you for listening, and we pray that the Lord will help each of us as we study and preach the Word of God. And the saints all with gladness are singing the glorious song of the redeemed. Song of the redeemed. In April of 2022, the Manassas Community Baptist Church of Blaine, Pennsylvania, hosted our King James Bible Conference. Pastor John Asquith, who is the pastor of the Black Creek Baptist Church in Black Creek, New York, was our guest speaker for three nights of conference. We've taken these messages and we've broken them into 15 podcasts, so that'll be three weeks, approximately 15 minutes per day, of King James Bible instruction and teaching. And Brother John deals with the history of the King James Bible. He deals with the authority of the King James Bible. And then lastly, he deals most of all, most importantly of all, I should say, He deals with what the King James Bible can do for you. And so I pray these messages are a help. I pray they're a blessing to each of you as you listen to the conference. All right, folks, you can be turning with me, if you would, to Luke chapter 20. We're going to go to verse 41. Luke chapter 20, we're going to go to verse 41. Now, last night, we looked into the idea, the theme itself of the Word of God, what is the Word of God, how important it is. We're going to get into more history of the Bible tonight, and uh, I'm going to try to show you from history why I myself use the King James Bible, okay? And I'm going to try to show you that, uh, why this is my choice. And again, you know something? We live in the United States of America. If you want to go to Harrisburg, Pennsylvania and pull up a... uh, uh, a street uh, cover of some kind, you know, and uh, you know, manhole cover, and you want to call that God, hey, this is America, go do it. Alright, you won't go to heaven with it, but it's a free country, alright, do whatever you want to do. If you want to have a Koran, and call that the Word of God, get a Koran, call it the Word of God. This is a free country. Okay? I'm not trying any way, shape, or form to take away that from people, but heaven is not a free country. Okay. First of all, it was purchased, uh, well, created by God. Our right to it was purchased by Jesus Christ. And he has an awful lot to say about who's going there and who's not. He has an awful lot to say what his word is. Now, let's take Pastor Black as an example. Uh, I want you to listen to this. You know, he is a great guy, but you you have to be careful because he really can't keep his word. Can you think of anything more insulting to say? If that man lost everything, if he still had his word, he has everything. Okay? Now what's more sacred to a man than his word? And what a terrible thing if when you can't trust a man's word. How important do you think God's word is to him? Okay? It's very important to God. The idea that he keeps his word. What he's promised, he will do. Okay, So we're going to look at that tonight, just from that standpoint of what, what all that means. But in Luke chapter 20, verse 41, 
Jesus Christ is talking. He's talking to the scribes and Pharisees. And he said unto them, How say they that Christ is David's son? Because keep in mind, if you had gone to Sunday school in those days, of course, you'd have gone to Sabbath school, Sabbath being Saturday, and there, uh, there were Jews, you would have learned that when the Messiah comes, and that's what Christ means, okay? We have three words, Messiah, Christ, anointed. They all mean the same thing, okay? Jesus is the Christ, that's, in, that's Greek. Jesus is the anointed, that's English. Jesus is the Messiah, that's Hebrew, okay? They all are the exact same thing. They're interchangeable. They mean the same thing, okay? Messiah, Christ, anointed. So he said, why do you people say that the Messiah, the Christ, is David's son? Well, part of the reason that that was said was because the Messiah was to come out of a virgin from David's lineage, you know, I have, uh, I remember my great-grandfathers, I remember my grandfathers, and I certainly remember my father, and any one of them could say, this is my son, me being John Asquith. And so, when Jesus Christ was born, he came out of Mary's womb, she was descended from David, and so the Pharisees would say, and not just the Pharisees, the scribes, the good people, the bad people would say, he's David's son. But watch this. Verse 42, and David himself saith in the book of Psalms, the Lord said unto my Lord, sit thou on my right hand. So he quotes Psalm 110. Psalm 110 starts out, the Lord said unto my Lord, sit thou on my right hand. So when David wrote that Psalm, he called the Messiah his Lord. Okay. So then Jesus asked, David therefore called him Lord, how is he then his son? So what's he done? He's gone into one verse in the Psalms and turned everything on its head and said, you have to change your theology because of how that one verse is written. You have to change your theology because of one verse. Let me give you another example. We will turn there. But if you remember when the Sadducees came up to Jesus Christ and they tried to trick him. And they said, because if you remember under Jewish law, if a man had a wife and that she didn't have any children, and if the man died, that was a big mix-up under Jewish law because keep in mind, property had to stay in the family and it had to stay in the lineage. That's my son, Stephen. Whatever his property is, it had to go to his oldest son. It had to get passed down. What if he died without children? Okay. Now, Samantha, thanks God we don't live under Jewish law. All right. <laughs> but what that would mean is his brother would have to marry her and give Stephen children. Okay. That's what that would have meant. So, and... By the way, keep in mind, when you read in your Bible and you'll read things about how 500,000 men of Judah died, think about that. Imagine a half a million people dying, half a million men dying. You know what that means? There's a half a million widows. And you know what that meant? Many of them won't have children, and many of them, how are they going to get husbands now with that many men dying? You know what that meant? There's no social security. When you grow old, there's nobody when your bones are rickety to go get you food. Children were everything to them. 
So God made a provision in his law that that woman could go to the brother, to the nearest relative. We see that in the book of Ruth. So the Sadducees come up and they try to trick Jesus Christ. And they say, well, a man died and his wife went to the brother and the brother died. So he went to the next brother and that brother died. She went to the next brother and all seven died. In the resurrection, whose wife is she? You know what Jesus did? He quoted out of the book of Exodus, Exodus 3, verse 6, I am the Lord thy God. Or he said, I'm the Lord of Abraham. I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Jacob. I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Jacob. Then he said, see, God is the God of the living, not of the dead. How did that verse prove the tense of the verb? I am the God of Abraham. Abraham's dead, but I'm his God right now. The tense of the verb proved that there's a resurrection. I am the God of Abraham. The tense of the verb proved there's a resurrection. Now, do you have a Bible so exact that you would change your theology because of the tense of one verb? Do you have a Bible so exact that one verse would make you change your doctrine? I maintain we do. Okay. Now, I want you to go with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 2. The Apostle Paul, in the very last verse in this chapter, verse 17, he's going to make a statement, and he makes it somewhere 45, 50, 60 AD, I don't know, somewhere around that period of time. He says this, For we are not as many which corrupt the word of God. Okay? But as of sincerity, but as of truth, in the sight of God speak we in Christ. So, back in his day, there were people corrupting the Bible. What if you went back and found one of those corrupt Bibles? There's probably no older Bible on it. And yet it's corrupt. Do you realize one of the problems today with Bible translation is people think that older is better. Okay? I'm older than my wife. I'm not better. Alright? But, regardless of that, the point is, even back then, people were messing with the Bible. Jehovah's Witnesses corrupt the Bible. They do it on purpose. They go through and scrub out the deity of Jesus Christ everywhere they can. Okay? Back then, people were doing the same thing. And so, what happened to the promise then that we read last night where Jesus Christ said, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall never pass away. Well, what happened? Didn't affect God. Now, in my book, Further Thoughts on the Word of God, I use a funny old tale that I learned as a child. And what that tale is, is we learned the story that if you could catch a leprechaun, you could have, he had to show you where his pot of gold was buried. That was the rules of leprechauns. Okay? Now, it's just a child's fable. I understand that. But in this particular fable, in this particular story, a boy caught one. He'd been going in the woods, and he finally caught a leprechaun in the middle of the woods. He was so excited, and the leprechaun knew the rules. He had to show that boy where his pot of gold was. 
So he leads him way deep into the woods and shows him that's the tree and it's a big old oak tree. He says, in those roots is where my pot of gold is. The boy is so excited and then he realizes, oh no, I'm in the middle of the woods. If I go back home to get a shovel, I'll never be able to find this tree again. So what he does, he takes his yellow scarf off and he ties it around that tree. And then he realizes, oh, when I leave, the leprechaun's going to take that scarf off the tree. So he makes that leprechaun promise. He's holding on to him. I'm not going to let you go until you promise you won't touch that scarf. The leprechaun promises. Okay, so the boy goes home. He's so excited. He has that shovel, and he goes running back to the woods, and every tree had a yellow scarf on it. <laughs> All right. Did he touch that scarf? No, he didn't. What he did? He made it so confusing you couldn't find the right one. That's right. That's what the devil tries to do with the Bible. That's right. Okay? Yes, Put all these imposters out there so no one really knows what the right Bible is. That's right. Okay? So how do we know then what the right Bible is? Well, is there a God? Okay? Is he jealous for his word? Yes, he is. Okay? Then we're going to have to trust him in this. And what I'm going to do tonight is give you some history of the Bible itself and how we can know what the right Bible is. Okay? You still have to make your own decisions. Now, tonight, again, we'll look at history of the Bible. Tomorrow, we're going to look at what I really love about the Bible, and that's how the, the Bible <coughs> helps us, how it defines us, how it explains what we are, and how it reveals to you things about yourself. Okay? And that's one of the powers that the Word of God has, is to reveal things about you to you. All right? Now, go with me to Psalm 68. Psalm 68, and we're going to go to verse 11. The Lord gave the word. Great was the company of those that published it. Okay? It's a nice verse. God gave his word, but what a great group of people that published that word, that made it where you could get a hold of it. You could get it. You know, one of the things my wife and I have had the privilege of doing, I'm a little bit out of order saying this, we actually went to New York City and went to uh, uh, Manhattan, Columbus Circle, got off the subway there. We were like a couple of little country mice in the big city, you know, getting off that subway, and there's all these huge buildings. But the American Bible Society has its headquarters there. And they have one of the greatest Bible collections anywhere in the world. And we were privileged to be able to go down in these climatically controlled vaults for old Bibles and that, and we were able to look at centuries of old Bibles and look at them and look at what went on and how they were published and how they were printed. And one of the things I noticed when we looked at what's called a Bishop Lloyd Bible from 1701 is it's a huge book about this size, okay, probably a little thicker. Say, so why is that important? Imagine a British army officer, a cavalry officer, carrying one of these. 
Well, it wasn't just an easy thing to take a Bible with you, was it? So when you hear about one of these officers and he was a man and he took the word of God, he had to pay a price just to carry that Bible with him. Okay? Wasn't an easy thing. Today we have some little pocket New Testament we'll take with us or something. That was not so easy in those days. Okay? So we're going to look at this whole concept of publishing the word of God. Now, the Apostle Paul, when he was writing, he talked to, uh, to one of the churches and he said, I want you to read the letter to the Laodiceans. We don't have the letter to the Laodiceans. It wasn't Holy Script. It wasn't Scripture. But he said also, pass this on to them. That was Holy Scripture. What's that mean? It means somebody had to sit and copy that letter. Somebody had to sit down and copy it. When you get into historical writings, there are two types of copyings that are done. There's copying done, for example, I was just reading about how a particular pharaoh of Egypt ordered that all the writings of a kingdom that he conquered had to be copied. All the writings were on clay tablets. So they had to sit there and take all these thousands of clay tablets and copy them over. What kind of people did he get? He had them in chains. And they sat there and copied well, you sit in chains every day as a slave copy them. How accurate do you think those are? All right? Punish some little boy and tell him he's got to write, you know, the Declaration of Independence 15 times, but you're not going to check it out. All right? How accurate do you think that's going to be? It's not going to be accurate at all. And one of the things they find when they find things copied that way is sometimes they're even being copied by people who can't read what they're writing. Okay? It would be like taking somebody and me giving you a French novel and telling you to copy it. I don't speak French, okay? And I might be copying it, but if I copied a word twice, I probably wouldn't notice. If I skipped a whole paragraph, I probably wouldn't notice, or anything of the sort. That has been a huge problem over the years with copying Bibles, okay? So anybody who, first of all, great is the company of those that published it, it has to be a labor of love for the person doing it. There's a lost soul who's tired of his sinning, and he longs to return to the Lord. As he cries for forgiveness and mercy, God is waiting. You have been listening to the Daily Doctrine Podcast with Evangelist Tim McVeigh. For correspondence, please contact us through our website and someevangelists.com and use the contact form to connect with us. You may also subscribe to the podcast through our website or search for Daily Doctrine Evangelist Tim McVeigh on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Audible, or Amazon. To write to us, please use our church address, which is Manasseh Community Baptist Church, 70 Back Hollow Road, Blaine, Pennsylvania, 17006. Thank you for listening, and we pray that the Lord will help each of us as we study and preach the Word of God. Don't forget to subscribe and tune in tomorrow. And remember to look up for your redemption draweth nigh. Now the angels of God are rejoicing For the prodigal child has come home
the saints all with gladness are singing the glorious song of the redeemed. 